Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. Well, stay to your feet if you haven't guessed by that podium coming up. It's not me bringing the Word tonight, but there is one greater than I. He is one of my best friends. He's an incredible man of God bringing the word tonight. Um, He and his wife co-pastor an incredible church called Toronto City Church. Any TCC people in the house? Let's go. Right in the heart of Toronto. They have been co-pastoring this church since 2013, over 10 years. Give it up for them. That's a long time. Before that, they founded a church movement that was just incredible. It actually was a little bit like this. It was just incredible, incredible, incredible. And then they felt called into TCC, and they've been carrying the mantle there for 10 years. Tonight we have with us Pastor Brendan Whitten. Give it up for him. And before he comes up, I just got to tell you a couple more things about him. He didn't come alone. He's got his family here, his beautiful wife and co-pastor Sharon Whitten. Would you give it up for her right here? Give her a big welcome. Her beautiful daughter Shiloh is here. Give it up for Shiloh. Micah, where you at, bro? I know you're hiding here somewhere. There he is. He tried to get away, but we found him. Micah's over there. He's a river regular. He's hiding with his crew. Give it up for Micah. Come on. I know he doesn't like that, but I just, I had to get him. Um, And uh, Pastor Brennan's bringing us a word that we need, whether we're single, whether we're dating, whether we're married, this is a word that we need. So I hope you will listen and take it in, because I know I need it. And I think you just might need it too. Would you give a big river welcome to Pastor Brendan Whitten as he comes to bring the message? Hey, what's going on tonight? How's everyone doing? Oh, come on. That was a little soft. I thought I was at the river. Let me ask that again. How's everyone doing tonight? Okay, that's a little better. All right. Amen. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Thank you so much. I. Appreciate the introduction, Pastor Ryan. He always goes above and beyond, greater than, et cetera, et cetera. So, but I do appreciate the honor. Um, it's a real, real huge honor to be here tonight. I, I love the river. I thank God for the river. How many are just so thankful for the river, what God's been doing here? Uh, this always holds a very extra special place in my heart, because I don't know if you remember Pastor Ryan, but uh, he, I got to speak at... I don't know, was it called the river back then? I, 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 back at the old facility down in Toronto, and, and I remember doing that, and then I remember getting to come share at one point, we were over in the cafeteria, and it was kind of more like chapel, and it has been just incredible to watch God breathe on this and to watch what God has done. And, and, and I want to make sure, don't ever take this for granted. Don't take what God is doing here for granted because it can be very easy. We just get used to it, and it just seems normal. But you know what? Things like this, we're praying it becomes normal. But, but don't take for granted what God's doing here. Amen? I mean, I definitely want to honor, and I'm thankful for my wife, especially. Pastor Ryan already gave her a great intro, but I am so glad that she's here and she's joining me tonight. Also very thankful for Dr. Charles and Dr. Jennifer. Can we give God a hand for them and just here? And I mean, I'll do that, but can we thank God for Pastor Ryan and Lindsay as well too? And just, I, I think I said it last year when I got a chance to speak, but pray for these guys. Stand behind these guys. You don't know. They're not going to come out and talk about the battles, the challenges, the different, the spiritual warfare all the things that go on. They're just going to be here and serve. But, but don't take them for granted. Pray for them. Stand with them. Just, just bless them. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, you ready to jump in the Word of God for a bit tonight? Good. Okay. I got my clock. I'm a preacher. I can go forever. So I had to make sure I have my clock so I can stay because we do want to get back to worship. But how many you know that we've got a kind of somewhat important day coming up tomorrow? Anybody know important day tomorrow? 
Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I do not know. I'm seeing some definite hands waved. Maybe a couple of wives or girlfriends giving a little elbow right now. Yes, definitely an important day coming up tomorrow. But if you didn't know, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. And so to start things off, this isn't particularly biblical, but it does have a biblical start to it. I thought in honor of Valentine's Day, we should start tonight, should help some of you out. Uh, now I know everyone comes to the river for Jesus and Jesus alone. But when you're here worshiping Jesus especially if you're not currently connected, you know, there, 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 there might be somebody that, you know, and I know nobody comes for that reason at all. We just all come to worship God. But just in case, there might be somebody that kind of catches, you know, just the way they worship, the, the, the way they love God, you know, the way they just end up. So I thought I'd start tonight to help sum you out and, uh, and so I want to start tonight with the top 10 Christian pickup lines. Just to, now, now this is either going to help you or I might wreck some of your flex, all right? So you're like, wait, I found that online. I was planning to use that. So top 10 Christian pickup lines to start things off tonight. Number one, now I know why Solomon had 700 wives because he never met you. All right, that's number one. I do have to give a shout-out. My daughter helped me find a bunch of these, so we figured out. Number two, and I, we're working this because I'm making sure none of these lines ever work on her. But anyways, number two, girl, you're just like water, but Jesus turns you into fine. All right. Number three, so here's the question. How many times do I have to walk around you to get you to fall for me? Number four, this is a particularly scriptural one. So those of you who are like really word-based. You know how the word says to think about things that are pure and lovely and excellent? I've been thinking about you all day long. Number five, so in my devotion time today, it's always good to throw in devotion time. So my devotion time today, I was reading the book of Numbers and I had a revelation. I don't have yours. All right. All right. Yeah, okay. Oh, you got a drum roll on that one for sure. Number six. Everybody say number six. Is your name Grace because you are amazing? Oh, it's not? Oh, it must be faith because you are the substance of what I have been hoping for. All right. Number seven. This one's a little weaker, but... I really believe the Lord has called you. Can I call you too? <laughs> All right. Number eight. I would say God bless you, but it's obvious he already has. Number nine. I think we need an altar call for repentance tonight because you have stolen my heart. Number ten. Is this seat saved? Because I definitely am. <laughs> Saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, water baptized. And then I'll give you one last bonus one. And, and guys, if she's carrying a big Bible, King James Version, this might be good. Go really extra biblical. And you can just say, hey girl, your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Gilead. Song of Solomon right there, guys. That's the, uh, the old school biblical riz right there. So anyways, I want to talk to you tonight for a few moments. A little bit of fun to start things off. Yep. Usually, honestly, I hate going easy message. You know, as a preacher, as a communicator, there's different times of the year where there's just like very logical messages to preach. And I usually just try and stay away from that as much as possible. I do not want to get pulled into that. But, you know, it was funny, actually, Pastor Ryan messaged me about preaching, and he said, yo, brother, I said, preach whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Like, whatever God tells you. But remember, it is Valentine's Day the next day. <laughs> so, so I kind of got a sense, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit, Pastor Ryan. But seriously, I, I, I thought, you know, tonight, let's just go about it. So... 
I want to talk to you for a little bit tonight, maybe a little more of a teach than a preach, but I want to, I want to bring some encouragement tonight to you. I want to bring some hope to you tonight regarding love, dating, marriage, relationships. I mean, come on, let's be real. As much as we're having some fun, we're laughing here right now. There's some people in the room tonight, you're looking forward to Valentine's Day, but there might be quite a few people here tonight, and you're not looking forward to Valentine's Day. And maybe you're not looking forward to Valentine's Day because it's a reminder of a relationship you wish you had that you don't have right now. I mean, I know I'm going in already, but we can be real about it. Maybe for some of us it's difficult because of a challenging relationship we're currently in. Maybe for some of us it's difficult because right now we're working through some heartbreak. There's a, you know, this is not an easy area for us. And so as much as we're here tonight, we're smiling and we're laughing. We're kind of just hoping to get to February 15th and beyond. You know, I want you to know tonight, and I know so many of you do, God loves you. And he cares about every era of your life, including your love life. Including relationships, including marriage, and including, he cares about you, he cares about the desires of your heart. And he wants us to win in this area of our life. He wants us to succeed. He does not want us to fail. He doesn't want us to do it. But what I want to do tonight is I want to talk to you about five different things that you and I can embrace. And, and I'll say right now, what I'm going to preach can go and apply to every person, every season of life, but I particularly want to speak to those who are currently single or currently dating and in a relationship. There's some things I particularly want to say tonight, but God loves you. God cares about this area. That's where I want to start. I think sometimes we think God just cares about, okay, spiritual worship. and No, God cares about every area of our life. And especially if this is kind of a hard space for you tonight. I want you to know that God loves you. God cares for you. God knows exactly where you are. And I believe that he wants to speak a word to you tonight. So let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity I have to be here. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity I have to share. God, I thank you for the river, and I thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, God, and just even ahead, all that you're going to do. But, Father, I pray tonight as I have an opportunity to share this message. Lord, I pray that I'll be able to teach your word simply. God, that every person here will get it, uh, but they'll not just get it and understand it, but they'll take it, they'll apply it in their life, and they'll see your results. Father, tonight we welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. And we thank you that you are the teacher, you are the one who leads us and guides us, and so we welcome you tonight. Now, I pray that people will not hear what I say as much as what they hear what you say to them through it. And so we thank you for all this in Jesus' name, and everyone agreed with me, said, amen. amen. So we're talking about love, dating, and marriage. And I want to just share, like I said, five things that I think if we will apply, if we'll put into our lives, we will win in this area. The first thing I want to talk to you about is we need to learn to give honor to marriage. Everybody say, give honor to marriage. Come on, someone tell your neighbor. I like to get you guys talking. Tell your neighbor, give honor to marriage. Let's look. We're going to hit a bunch of scriptures in this point. Hebrews 13, 14 from the New Living Translation simply says this. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Like the message paraphrase translation, which says this, honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy before, between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. Here's why I want to start tonight. I want to start by talking to you about honoring marriage. Now, I know for some of you this might be a weird place for me to start. You're kind of wondering, okay, what do you mean? Where are you going with this? But if we're going to talk about love, dating, marriage, I want to start about honoring Marriage, this is the word of God says, we need to make a choice and make a decision that we need to honor marriage. Come on, everybody say honor marriage. Amen. Now, how do we honor marriage? Well, the first thing I'll say to you is we need to develop a right understanding of marriage from God's perspective. We need to understand, we need to build, if I could call it the right theology of marriage, a right understanding of the scriptures. We need to, as followers of Jesus, as people of the word, we need to know what God says about this. We need to know what God's heart is about this. And we need to work to bring our heart and our mind and our perspective into alignment with God's. That's the first step of honoring marriage. 
We also need to value marriage. We need to esteem marriage. Why is this so important? Because in 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 3, verse 8, it says this. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons, through the insincerity of liars who consciously seared, who forbid marriage. Now obviously there's a whole lot to this passage that we can pull out, but here's just what I want you to see tonight, what the Scriptures teach us. God loves marriage. God created marriage. Marriage was God's idea. And the enemy hates marriage. The devil hates marriage. And he wants to destroy. He wants to tear it down. He wants to undermine it in every way that he possibly can. And that's again why somebody wondered, why are we starting with this honoring marriage point? Because in the day and age we live in, there's so many of us, we don't understand God's perspective. We don't understand God's heart. We don't understand God's way. And we get sucked into a world that the enemy is structured in so many ways to not only cause us to not honor marriage, but to dishonor marriage. We live in a culture right now where there's an all-out assault on marriage. Now, if you're my age or older, and I didn't want to say, Pastor Ryan, I'm over 40 and I do know what a QR code is. Just so... Just, just, just to make sure. Any, any plus 40s with me on that? Just so we know. Okay, amen, amen. All right. So, you know, you, I, I'm 45 now. Young just keeps getting older to me. All right. So I'm still young. I'm 45. But, you know, even if you're around my age, you, you'll remember a time where even in our culture, it definitely wasn't godly, but there was a whole lot more godly values that just were considered at least somewhat normal by a lot of people. But over the last 20 or 30 years, it has just gone right off a cliff with this. And, 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 and what we have to learn to do is as believers, and again, I know maybe I'm starting a little slow for some of you, but this is so important to lay a foundation. We've got to learn to find out what does God say, what does God's word say about this, and we need to make a decision. I'm living, understand, I'm living in a world right now that I'm going against the flow. The flow is pushing against marriage. The flow is pushing against God's plan and what God has said. And if I just go with the flow, I'm going to end up going the wrong direction. But I've got to learn to have God's heart, to see what God says about it, you know, get into the Word of God, to get what God's, you know, God's perspective, and to swim upstream. Somebody say swim upstream. So just some real points I want to lay out as we start here. Number one, God established marriage. Genesis 2.24 says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Jesus affirmed this in Matthew 19.4-6. He answered, Have you not read that he created them from the beginning and made them male and female? And he said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they shall no longer be two, but one flesh. And what therefore God has joined, let no man separate. Marriage is a blessing from God. Genesis 2.18, then the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. I can tell you that I am thankful that God looked down at Brendan Witten and said, this boy needs some help. And he said, I'm going to send Sharon Joy Nimrod into his life because he needs some help. Proverbs 18.22 says this, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. The thing is not the wife, the thing is marriage. But you obtain favor. Proverbs 19, 14. Houses and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Proverbs 31, 10. An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. Guys, here's the bottom line on this point. And then we're going to pick up into some other things that we want to talk about tonight. Romans 12, verse 2 in the New Living Translation says this. Do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What I want you to know tonight is we live in a world that is telling us a lot of things about love, that is telling us a lot of things about dating, that is telling us a lot of things about marriage that are not in line with God or what he said or what his word says. And what the Bible tells us is this picture in this passage where it actually says there's almost this pressure on you trying to get you to conform into a certain mold. But he said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. In other words, what God wants to empower us to do is even though we live in a world and a culture 
that is trying to tell us one thing. We can learn to stand on the truth of God's word and the truth of God's word regarding love, regarding dating, regarding marriage, and we can build our lives according to that. Come on, someone ask your neighbor, what foundation are you building on? What foundation are you building on? Here's what I want to get to this, this point, guys. When you do things God's way, you get God's results. And when you do things the world's way, you get the world's results. Please hear me on this tonight. Because what happens for many of us as Christians is we don't do things God's way. We don't even know what God's way is. We end up doing things the world's way. Then we end up getting the world's results. And then we're like, God, what's happening? Why is this happening to me? Or are you teaching me a lesson? Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. God's going, no, you just didn't do it my way. And so what I want to encourage you tonight, the heart of honoring marriage is understand, let's just be real. We're in a world right now that's feeding us a lot of things that are not in line with what God says. Our job is to go to God, to go to his word and say, God, I want to do things your way. God, I want to do things your way so I can have your results in my life. God, I want to seek out somebody your way so I can have your results. God, I want to date your way so I can have your results. God, I want to walk in marriage your way so I can have your results. Come on, somebody say God's way. Somebody say God's results. See, so there's, let me just say this one more thing and we're going to move on. There are two extremes that could be in this room tonight. Unless we are Christians. Number one, there's some of us here tonight, and we struggle with idolizing marriage. Where marriage to us is more important than, than everything, anything. And it's more important to us than Jesus. And God wants to bring some correction for some of us. And again, you say, why are you saying this marriage? But it's putting him first. But then there's also some of us tonight, and we fear marriage. We're, we're afraid of it. But see, God says, listen, don't idolize it. Don't be afraid of it, but honor it. And honor me as you follow my plan for your life. Everybody say, honor marriage. So that's the first point I want to bring to you. We'll pick up our pace a little bit. Everybody say, number two. I want to encourage you tonight to embrace your season. Everybody say, embrace your season. 1 Corinthians 7, 32, 35 says this. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities, how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who's no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Let's break this down for you. Number one, we are called to serve God. Everyone say we're called to serve God. I want to encourage you in that tonight. As much as this is a topic that's really important, I want to encourage you in serving God. I want to encourage you. How are you living your life for the Lord? Are you serving Him? Because Paul is talking here, and throughout this entire chapter, he's teaching us a lot of things about marriage and relationships. But at the center of it, says we are called to serve God. Now here's why I want you to understand this. It's very important that we get this. There is a way you can serve God when you are single that you cannot serve Him when you are married. And then there's a way you can serve God when you're married that you cannot when you're a single. One is not better than the other. It's understanding, God, what season have you put me in and how can I serve you best in this season? Now, I can tell you many years from pastoring and walking through this, especially when we're single, we spend so much time focused on meeting the right person, getting married, getting into a relationship, and again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's something that God's put in our heart. But what I want to encourage you tonight is getting that heart and saying, okay, Lord, you are the priority of my life. I'm serving you with my whole heart. And I'm going to pray and discern what season do you have me in. And if I'm in a season where I have this opportunity to serve you in my singleness, then I want to give my whole heart and my whole attention to that. Now, let's be real. It doesn't mean I'm never going to notice anybody. It doesn't mean I'm not going to be interested in relationships or meeting somebody. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give my whole heart to serve you. And we understand the season that we're in. And then God brings you into a new season, and your season shifts, and now how you serve him will change. Now, here's some opportunities I want to encourage you to have when you're single. Number one, when you're single, you can serve God with undivided attention. Now, again, this is not to knock marriage. Marriage is an incredible blessing. We've just been talking about honoring marriage. 
But so often, and I think we can be guilty even as pastors and leaders, we kind of elevate just marriage, marriage, marriage. And sometimes people are feeling like, well, hey, what about me? What about us? You have an opportunity to serve God with undivided attention. You have an opportunity when you're single to take kingdom assignments to do things for God that you could never do when you're married. You have opportunity to take bigger risks in your life. You have opportunity to build in a more focused way. You can make valuable mistakes without it being detrimental to your family and so much more. Can I encourage you tonight? I know maybe some of you are just, this is not the word I wanted to hear tonight. But trust God with the season he has you in. And instead of worrying about getting to the next season, trust him that he knows when he's going to get you there and say, let me take advantage of the opportunities I have here and now. Let me serve you with my whole heart. Let me serve you with everything I have. Yes, I desire to be in a relationship. Yes, I desire to move to the next season. But God, I'm trusting you and I'm serving you right where I am right now. And let me take advantage of the opportunities I have in this season. Come on, somebody say embrace your season. The next thing I want to encourage you in point number three is you have an opportunity in these seasons of singleness to get your house in order. Everybody say get your house in order. Matthew 4, 24 to 27. Everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. We've got an amazing opportunity. And I really feel this is a word for people tonight because there's so many people in this place. Trust God. He has that relationship for you. He has that door he wants to open. But right now he's saying to you, will you bring your house into order so you can be ready for that season when I move you forward? Can I encourage you tonight that getting married will not solve your problems? And all the married people said... Just not too loudly, especially if you're next to your spouse. But married, we got this picture that marriage is going to solve all my problems. Now, obviously, we're going to say, we need to honor marriage. But marriage is not the great fix-all. Can I just be real straight with you tonight? If you are bound up with the spirit of lust, marriage is not going to set you free. If you're addicted to pornography, getting married is not going to set you free. If you're insecure, getting married is not going to fix the problem of insecurity. If you're battling with loneliness, getting married is not going to fix that problem. Actually, in many ways, when you get married, there's like a pressure that comes in, and it can actually cause things to go even more. What you want to do in this season is think, how can I serve God? But then number two in this season, it's saying, okay, Lord, what do you want to work in in me? What do you want to change in me? God, what needs to happen in my life? Come on, somebody say, get healed. So often when God brings you together with somebody else, if you're both wounded and you've never been healed before, man, listen, you, you make enough of a mess by yourself. You put two wounded people together and it just gets even more of a moat. What you want to do is say, God, let me take time. Let you heal my heart. Let me get counseling if I need to get counseling. Let me get inner healing if I need inner healing. Let me deal with my pride. Let me deal with my selfishness. God, do a work of healing in me because healed people heal people. And when God brings two people together, see what happens? A lot of people are like, why, why do these Christians struggle marriage sometimes it's because we never allow God to heal us before we got there we're just like God I just need to be married God I just need to be married God I just need to be married and God's like no you need to be healed right now right you need to be healed get whole what I mean by whole being healed and being whole it's let God really build into your life character identity in Christ who you are in him why because all these things are going to prepare you to come together. But do you see the difference? We're so much falling into the trap of God, I just can't take it anymore. God, what's happening? God, listen, I, I, my, my plan for my life meant I was married and had two children by now, Lord. What is going on? I mean, all these things hit us, but we get so focused on that. We're almost like backsliding. We're like, I don't know, Lord. Instead of saying, you know what, Lord, I trust you with my season. And I'm going to serve you with all of my heart. I'm going to get healed. I'm going to get whole. Why? Because then I'm ready for you to bring me to the place that I need to be. Can I say it this way? Become 
the person that someone is praying for. Do you know somebody's praying for you right now? Some of you don't believe that, but somebody is praying. They're asking God for you. They're asking God for you, but here's the deal. If you don't let God work in your heart, what if they meet you and they don't recognize you because you're not what they're praying for? Right? What, 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 if they, what if they meet you, but because instead of letting God work in you, you just were complaining to the Lord. And, and I don't mean to be hard on this, guys. I struggled with it myself. I went through it myself. But it's saying, God, I'm going to let you work in me so I can be ready. And I want to be the person that someone's praying for. What if we made a decision this year, I'm going to focus in faith on becoming the person that somebody is praying for. I'm becoming the worshiper that somebody is praying for. I'm becoming the giver that somebody is praying for. I'm becoming the believer that somebody is praying for. I'm letting God work in my life and work in my soul and prepare me for what he has for me. Come on, someone tell your neighbor, become the person someone's praying for. I remember having an opportunity over a number of years of pastoring now, and I love working, yeah, especially with guys, you know, in discipleship. And I remember there was this one young guy, it was a number of years ago, and he came to me, and we had a relationship where we talk, and he'd open up about different things. He said to me, yo, pastor, he said, I, I think I'm ready. I said, okay, what? He said, you know, so-and-so at church. You know, I, I could tell. You know, pastors, we watch. We kind of see when people are getting a little, you know, sitting next to each other in church and sharing. You know, we, we watch. We see. And we're praying for it behind the scenes so often. He said, I, I think I want to, like, get into a relationship. I think I want to marry her. So I said, okay. I said, great. I said, can we talk about a couple things? He said, sure. Now, we had this kind of relationship. I can be straight. I said, yeah, okay. I said, okay. I said, I think this is awesome, but there's a couple things we need to work on. All right. Number one, you still live with your mom. Now, I'm not totally against living with your mom. Sorry, moms. But I'm like, you live with your mom. Number two, you don't have a license. You don't have a car, you don't have a livable career, and you play video games for hours a week. And so I said, I think this is of God, but here's what I want you to do. Before you take it to the next level with your, I'd encourage you to go get your driver's license, to get yourself set on a career. Why? Because you've got to be able to lead her somewhere besides Call of Duty. <laughs> now, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to hate on guys and gaming, guys. I'm just I'm a man preaching up here. I still like the game a little bit myself. But here's the point. You know what he did? He did it. And over the next couple months, he went, got his driver's license. He got some direction career-wise. And you know what? He ended up proposing to her. They ended up getting married. I ended up being able to officiate that wedding. See, what I, my point is what I want to encourage you is sometimes we're saying, God, I want to go into that next season. And God's saying, listen, I want to take you there, but I want to work on these things in you right now. What is God wanting to work on in you to prepare you for the next season? Come on, somebody say, get your house in order. All right, pretty much coming close to the end here. Number four, I want to encourage you. So then, let's say you're listening to me, you're like, okay, pastor, I've been really kind of learning to honor, learning to see God's way. I've been really allowing God to work in me. I've been embracing my seats. I've been getting my house in order. And then, you know, that day comes, and you're just worshiping, and all of a sudden you look over, and... It's just like the light shines, the glory of God, and all of a sudden you see this person. And all of a sudden you start going, man, maybe, maybe my season's changing. What, what, what does that look like? Because here's what I realized pretty early on. I always had a heart for God. I had a heart for following Him. But I realized pretty quickly I really had no idea what a godly relationship looked like. I knew what I was not supposed to do, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And so this could take a long time, but... What, what, what happens so often is we're trying to follow God, then we get into a relationship, and, and it just turns into a train wreck because we don't actually know what to do. So I just want to share with you really quickly, again, this could be the entire message itself, but 10 commandments for godly dating. So you are meeting the person, because maybe you are in that place tonight. Maybe you're in a relationship. So let's talk. Number one, thou shalt submit your relationship to God. Everybody say submit to God. Now, again, I know this sounds really spiritual and really big, but guys, this is so important. Before you get into a relationship with somebody, when you're in a relationship with somebody, you should be asking God about it. You should be praying about it. You should not just be saying, well, they look good, I look good, we both go to the river, this is good, let's just do it. Right? They're a Christian, you're a Christian, sort of, okay, good enough, let's go. 
Right? No, the question is, God, what are you saying about this? God, I want to submit this to you. I want, I want your will for my life. And that we learn to say, okay, God, what do you want in this relationship? So that's number one, if you're considering is, what is God saying? You say, well, I'm not sure what God's saying. Well, then keep praying. Keep working it out. Don't just jump ahead. Well, I hope he said yes. Yo, I asked the Lord for a sign, and I asked, if Pastor Ryan speaks at the river, Lord, then it's your will. <laughs> Number two, thou shalt not rush. Let me say that again. Thou shalt not rush. Why do I say this? Because let's be real. As Christians, some of us are notorious for rushing. Met them last week. Proposed this week. Let's get married next week. I mean, I guess somebody's clapping for me right now. Now, man, we need to honor marriage. We need to love marriage. But part of honoring marriage is understanding this is a lifelong commitment. This is a covenant before God. And I'm not just going to rush into something. And just because you're a Christian and I'm a Christian and we both want to have sex and we're not supposed to have sex to our marriage, so let's get married next week. Guys, we can't have those kind of attitudes. Thou shalt not rush. Come on, somebody say again, thou shalt not rush. Number three, thou shalt not be weird. Now, of course, us Christians are never weird around relationships. Right? I mean, I was never weird around relationships. I may have told my wife in the first week she was my wife, but I was never weird. Guys, can we just chill out a little bit? Amen. Can we, can we just get to know somebody? I know, but, but so often, I, I, I think we have good hearts, and it just gets so weird so quickly sometimes. And sometimes your prayer needs to be, God, just let me be normal right now. Help me to be normal. Like, listen, I love prophetic words, and I love things that God does. And, but listen, you know what? Sometimes you just need to get to know somebody and have a relationship. You don't need an angel appearing. You don't need all these signs. We don't need weirdness. We don't need to tell people, the Lord said this, the Lord said you know, Like, just, can we not be weird? Come on, somebody say, don't be weird. All right, so thou shalt not be weird. Number four, thou shalt get godly counsel. This is huge. Please hear me in this. I think this is a missing link for many of us because we live in a culture that basically says, I don't want anybody in my business. I don't want to listen to anybody. I'm just going to do what I want to do. But it's interesting. My wife and I can tell you we see a marked difference. Couples who don't want anybody in their business when they're dating are couples who in their marriage don't want anybody in their business. And by the time they finally come for counseling to get help, it's probably too far down the road because they never learn to get godly counsel to speak into their life. See, so if I'm, if I'm getting in a relationship, number one, I'm praying. And I'm saying, okay, God, is this what you want? I'm, I'm going to pray. Maybe fast even. Like, I'm going to pray. I'm, I'm not going to rush it. I'm not going to be weird. Or try not to anyways. I'll hide my weirdness. But then I'm going to talk to some people I trust. Now, I'm not talking about throwing it on Facebook or Instagram. And, what is that? No, but it's funny. Who's the godly people? I say, hey, I'm praying about this. What do you think? Talk to your pastor. Talk to a spiritual leader. What do you think about this? It really helps you not to rush. And then listen to them. Number five, thou shalt have godly standards. Now, please, hear me on this one. Here's how it looks. You get to a point with somebody, say, hey, let's, let's, let's walk this out. Maybe use one of my top ten Christian pickup lines. Whatever way it goes. But then pretty quickly what you're doing is you're praying and you're saying, God, what do you want our relationship to look like? Do you know how many people never ask God what he wants their relationship to look like? One of the things we always encourage couples to do, we worked on doing it in our relationship, is we prayed and we said, God, what does this look like for you? How do you want this? And then we actually wrote it down. And we actually prayed over it. We said, this is what, these are the things we want to focus on in our relationship. This is the way we want to treat one another. This is the, the, the you know, level of integrity we want to have in our relationship. And it's coming from prayer. It's coming from asking God. Now, I know some of us, this is totally countercultural to what we're used to. But this is how you walk it out. Number six, thou shalt focus on a friendship. Everybody say friendship. I remember we had an opportunity to talk with our pastors who've been married almost 50 years now. And we got to ask them, we said, if there was one thing that you would say that was told, like for you making it 50 years was, they said, 
It's building our friendship with each other. Guys, I want to encourage you that. You need sexual attraction and, and just attraction to one another in a relationship, but that can't be the foundation that you're building on. You need to have common interests, all, but that cannot be the foundation that you're building on. Those are good things. Those are important things. Those are godly things. But you need to build on the foundation of God, but it's also building on that foundation of friendship with one another. Too many people jump into a relationship, and where does it go? It goes super physical, super quickly. They hardly even know each other. It's getting real quiet in the place tonight. <laughs> right? Instead of going, God, how do you want this to look? Let's lay out some godly standards for how a relationship's going to look. And let's build a friendship with each other. Number seven, thou shalt focus on a friendship, not a friendship with benefits. I heard some groans. <laughs> Here's why I encourage you. Can I encourage you? This is super radical, countercultural that we live in, but that you would practice sexual integrity in your relationship. That you would say, we're here because God's called us together, and we're going to honor one another, even in the way we treat each other physically. And that we're not going to just be going down this road and going down that road, but we're going to make it. Is it hard? Of course it's hard. Of course it's difficult. But what, where in the Bible says, thou shalt only do easy things. But there's this element of saying, you know what, and here's why it's so important. Number one, because when we read it, it starts, it says honor marriage, and it talked about honoring the marriage bed. Sex is something God created, something powerful, something incredible. But too often, we jump into relationships. We jump into, maybe we're not actually sleeping together, but there's all kinds of other stuff going on around, and we're not actually building a relationship the way God's called us to. And then we end up breaking up broken hearts. Listen, you don't want to be in this, you know, your first call is that you are a brother and sister in Christ before anything else. And you want to live your relationship in a way that if it doesn't work out in the end, because sometimes you'll realize this is not God, that you don't have to go with some major apology to whoever their husband or wife ends up being. Or just avoid them for the rest of your life because it's awkward. Now I know this is a high standard, but I want to encourage this. One of the things that my wife and I set in place, one of the things we prayed, and we felt like God said, and we were in our heart, was he said, okay, we're not going to kiss till our wedding day. Now, let me be real. I didn't do that because I was a super Christian. I did that because I knew if I started kissing her, I probably would not be able to stop. So this was my best battle line. I'm staying as far away from that cliff as possible. Now, did we make it all the way? Well, you know, we had to do this crazy 14-month engagement because she said, I'm not marrying you until I'm done school. I was really trying to go faster. And about halfway through it, the one night she just kissed me. And I was like, no, she's laughing. She didn't. It was me. I did it. But anyways... I kept telling her, stop it, stop it. That, that's the way around. But you know what? Even though we'd set a standard so we were able to stand on our wedding day knowing that we were definitely not perfect, but we fought together to honor God instead of standing there filled with regret. Okay, I got I to gotta land this plane. Number eight, thou shalt have accountability. So we talked about counsel, accountability. Who is in your life that you can talk to, that you can pray with, that if you're having a rough season in your relationship, if you're crossing some lines, who do you have that you can talk to? Again, a lot of people, I don't want anybody in my business. Well, that's why you keep falling on your face. Come on, the, the more successful you are in life, the more coaches you have, not the less. Right? LeBron James, he has multiple coaches. Right? When I played high school basketball, I had one. There's a difference. Some of us, we don't want to let anybody speak to us. Be accountable. Number nine, thou shalt seek the Lord about the next step. Can I say this? One of the things, dangers we get into is sometimes we're so focused on marriage, so it's like we get into a relationship with somebody. Listen, you shouldn't get into a relationship knowing for sure already this is the one. You've got to walk it out. You've got to walk it out again. And sometimes you're going to reach a point where you go, you know what? We thought this might be God, but I don't think it is. And that's going to be hard and it's difficult. But if you've had godly standards, you've had good accountability, you can walk away from the relationship with your head held high instead of it just being a mess that messes up your life for like the next year, the year and a half, just becomes drama. But we seek the Lord about the next step. And the last number 10, thou shalt not date for 10 years and then be engaged for seven more. <laughs> it's my last thought here tonight. Why are you dating somebody for six years, then you want to be engaged for three years? If it's God, get married. Amen. So I'm not saying don't rush, but I'm saying if it's God, because sometimes we're afraid to take the step. 
And so that's, that's it. And number five, I want to bring this in and, and the team can come back. So number one, we said tonight, I thank you guys for rolling with me on it. I know it was more teaching than preaching in some regards, but I felt like there's some people that needed to be encouraged in some of these things tonight. Let's make a commitment to give honor to marriage. Let's make a commitment to embrace our season. Let's make a commitment to get our house in order. Let's make a commitment to date God's way. And then last but not least, can I just finish with this? Let's make a commitment tonight to trust God's plan. Everybody say, trust God's plan. Listen, God loves you, and God has a plan for your life. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, I know this verse sometimes get a bad rap. People are like, well, no, that's not in context. He's talking to this, that. But you know what? I think we can actually just take this verse at a level of understanding. Say, you know what? God does love me, and he has a plan for my life. He has a plan to give me a future and a hope. And I want to finish with this tonight, guys, and I want to encourage you. Will you trust God with your life? Will you trust God with your relationships? Will you trust God with your heart? Will you trust God in dating? Will you trust God in marriage? Will you make a commitment tonight that, Lord, I trust you? And I don't know where you are tonight. I don't know what your circumstances are. You might be single. You might be in a relationship. You might be married. You may have gone through a divorce. You may have gone through some difficult things. There's no condemnation for anyone wherever where we are. You might be in a relationship, but I want to encourage you tonight. Will you trust God's plan? I'll tell you one more story about trusting God's plan. I was a young pastor. I still wasn't married. I really wanted to be married. <laughs> like I tell you, everything I told you not to do, I probably did in one capacity or another. And I really wanted to be married. I remember there's this girl, and I really thought she was the one. I really, really, because, you know, people tell you, oh, God told me this is the person. A lot of times they don't tell you all the other ones they didn't thought were but weren't. That never makes their testimony. So I thought she was the one. And I was, but she, she wasn't so sure. So she told me, I, I got to think about it. She told me, I need to think about it. So I'm there, we're going on. And then one day, one of the guys in church comes to me. This after a couple months. He says, Pastor, can I talk to you? I said, Yeah. You know, I was a really young pastor at the time. He said, There's this girl I really like. I'm like, Oh, really? Okay. And he's like, You know, I really, I think she likes me too. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, you know, but I just need counsel. Like, how do I approach this? What do I do? So I said, give him counsel. I said, by the way, who is it? He says, oh, it's this girl. It's the, my girl. <laughs> you know how awkward it is when you're a pastor? And it's just, this, I, well, yeah, so, you know, you're trying to keep your face together. I think we were at Wonderland. I mean, it was brutal. I hated Wonderland for a long time after this. And so I was just like, so I, I gripped my teeth. And I gave him the best pastoral. Do you know how bad that is? Like, you're so tempted to sabotage him, right? Like, let's be real. You want to give him terrible counsel. But, you know, I sucked it up. I gave him the best counsel I could. He, thank you, thank you so much, Pastor. I'm going to talk to her tonight. And in my mind, I'm like, no, don't do it. So at that time, we had Saturday night services. That was a Friday. Saturday night, they show up at church together. And they sit in the front row holding hands while I'm preaching. I remember I told my son, he's like, Dad, that sucks. I was like, it did. It's one of the hardest messages I ever had to preach in my life. I mean, I just had to preach the word. But I remember I was heartbroken. I was so heartbroken over it because I thought, and I'm like, God, this is just not fair. So it's interesting, a couple days later, I was actually reading Billy Graham's autobiography. I got to the part where Billy Graham was a young preacher at college. And there's this girl he loved, he thought he was going to marry. He thought she was the one. So he pledged his love to her. And she told him she was in love with his best friend. And it hit a little different at that moment reading it. And then the book goes on a couple chapters later. He said, but Billy Graham got over it. And the next year, he met his wife, Ruth. And she was an incredible blessing to him. And if you know his story, you know what an incredible blessing his wife was. And I heard the Holy Spirit in that moment. And he said to me, Brendan, he said, that hurt him, didn't it? And he said, yeah. He said, what is it now? He said, it's a story you're reading in a book. And you saw how the story ends. He said, trust my story for your life. And trust that your story is going to end where I need it to end. 
And, and even, even though it hurts right now, even though it's hard right now, even feel like your heart's been broken and stomped on and everything right now, trust me and trust my plan because when you read the story at the end, it's going to be a great story. And can I encourage you tonight, just as we close with this thought, can I encourage you tonight to trust God's story for your life? Can I encourage you to trust God's plan for your life? I don't know what part of the story you're at right now. I don't know if you're in an amazing part of the story. I don't know if you're in a heartbreaking part of the story. I don't know if you're in a part where you're just like, God, I don't know where this thing's going. But can I encourage you tonight to trust God's plan and to trust God's story for your life and to trust where he's taking you and to trust him with love and to trust him with dating and to trust him with marriage and to just make a commitment. God, I might not see it all. I might not understand it all. It might be hard right now, but I trust you with my story. Can we bow our head and close our eyes as we bring this to a close? And I'm going to invite the team back in a second, but I just want you to create a moment with the Lord right now. Just create a personal altar space. And I just want to ask tonight, if that's a word for you, I don't know what it looks like for you, but if that's a word for you, will you say, God, help me to trust you with my story? God, help me to trust you with my life. Help me to trust you with my relationships. Help me to trust you with love in my life. Just every head bowed and eyes closed. If that's you, I just want you to wave your hand at me. If you're saying, I'm saying to God tonight, help me to trust you with my story. So, Father, I just pray right now over this entire place, God, I thank you for your love for us. God, I thank you for your plan for us. And God, I thank you tonight that we will trust you with our story. God, that we'll trust you with our hearts. That we'll trust you with our lives. God, give us the strength to do it. We do not have strength to do this in our own selves, but it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we have strength to do it. And I just pray for a release tonight. I pray for a fresh grace a fresh anointing tonight, God, that we trust you. You've brought us this far. You will not leave us now, and you will carry us forward. And God, I pray especially tonight for those who are battling with a broken heart. God, those who are battling with real hurt and wound, and maybe they're just in so much pain tonight. And God, whoever they are, I pray that you just minister to them. I pray that you encourage them tonight. I pray for fresh hope tonight. They'll know that even if it's hard right now, they can trust you with their story. Come on, just say it with me tonight. Say, God, I trust you with my heart. Come on, say it. God, I trust you with my relationships. God, I trust you with my story. In Jesus' name.